Welcome to the UK Fantasy Football Show, goals podcast that discusses many a football fan's favourite pastime. Now I'm excited for this week because we're approaching the very end of the season and it's all to play for in the battle for the top four, which we'll be analysing in depth along with our FPL teams for the penultimate game week. In our league, however, things look increasingly set in stone. Sam's extended his unimpeachable lead to 100, point, 100 points clear of Dave even and 120 points clear of me. So Sam, you must be pretty happy with how you're ending the season. Yeah, it's it's gone well. Yeah, I, Dave had this. He tried a little bit, uh, had a little bit of success, and he clawed maybe four or five points back. Um, but you know, I'm all about the narrative. Um, I just wanted to keep it interesting for our listeners. Um, but then I I just had to put it to bed. A couple <laughs> of inspired signings, um, and yeah, just stamped down. This little wasp on the floor just to uh, <laughs> maintain my position. Beautiful metaphor there. <laughs> little um, wasp, thanks. <laughs> Anthony Martial was your king, wasn't he? Did you captain him both times? Yeah, I've had him the last couple of weeks, uh, or last couple of matches at least. Um, and he's he's looking good. Um, and I was... He was... You scored one goal that was just a world if. We're not completely forgotten who's against. Was it against Sheffield United? Well, these matches are rolling into one now. Um, um, it was against. Was it the Star Southampton one, or do you mean uh, the one against Palace? Uh, definitely, that would be the Southampton one then, sorry. And he just smashed it in the top bin. No, it was Sheffield United. Um, and yeah, he's he's scoring goals that he doesn't normally score. You know, he's the, uh, the typical. Martial finishes almost like I'd always thought Michael Owens finishes were, where he gets played in and just slides it past the keeper. But to see him jink past someone and smash it into the top of our corner, um, it's an extra little step to his game. Uh, I think the way him and Rashford and and Fernandez as well are linking up is uh, incredibly exciting. Um, and you know, are they the best front three in world football at the moment? That's for other people to suggest. Um, that's certainly uh, certainly one of the best. I think I'll give you that. The uh, the performances have been really good lately, but they have dropped a point finally after that winning streak against Southampton, which uh, is what has made that top four race so tasty, I guess. So that's the plus side. Um, we'll delve into that a little bit more in a bit. Dave, how are you uh, finding your team? You, you think you pulled clear a little bit of me, haven't you? Yeah, you and me both got the same points, didn't we, in the last game week? Um, so it's kind of just been a bit same as usual really so it's been a bit frustrating really because there were a couple of decisions that I was like 50-50 on making such as like Mares and Sterling and that backfired on me and then switching Greenwood to Rashford and that's backfired so uh, yeah if I'd, have, if I'd have gone down the opposite route with those two um, I could have accumulated quite a lot of points and maybe got a little bit closer to Sam and pulled a bit further away from you but yeah it's just been pretty pretty average really pretty average scores um getting ings and jesus in there um has kind of kept me ticking over because the rest of the side has been a bit it's been a bit bleak but stick again just because sticking with those united players has kept the points coming in because fernandez's been great martial's been great so yeah yeah martial's standard, really. i've been looking at you both with, uh, having martial with quite a bit of envy but um and William, who I brought in to kind of be that buffer, he's kind of fallen off. He's had his little hot streak, and now he's back That's to his, it. his usual self. Two two points a game sort of thing. And uh, yeah, not not the best. But I guess for me, it was a positive week in a, in a weird sense. Not very positive, but I was going to drop Kane for Ings. I think Kane got more points than Ings in the end. Uh, yeah, I just, yeah, so I uh, I got kind of lucky there just due to my uh, forgetfulness of not realising when the game week was starting, as is tradition. Um, and yes, yeah, so I got 12 points off him, and he was by far my best performer in a, an otherwise pretty average week. I think the average points for this week were 35. I got 42, but like you take into account all those teams that have kind of stopped playing, then probably is roughly average. So yeah, I mean, I've got a bit of ground to make up now. So the final sort of standings heading into these last two game weeks for us three are Sam on 2,065 points. Dave on 1,959 uh, and me on 1,941. So it's pretty much standard fare. This is kind of the situation we've been in now, isn't it? For the past 
like well since lockdown started this has been the status quo yeah i think we've none of us have pulled apart or pulled away i think dave was a little bit ahead of you i was you know approximately three figures ahead of you both um approximately yeah approx so yeah it's we're just ticking along aren't we um, on, yeah. i've i've moved up to just in uh, 293rd thousandth in the world now um <laughs> congrats <laughs> thank you thank you uh, i'm gonna put that on my linkedin profile later um so i think when lockdown started it was about 500 thousandth um so it's moving in the right direction to give a bit of context for uh, our public show league, which anyone can join at any point by typing in the code on the FBL website of NHC4WZ, um, our leader is 183rd in the world. So uh, a little bit of a difference, but he's having an absolute blinder. It's actually a new leader, uh, Graham Wilshaw. The Shola system is his team name. It's a great name. Uh, he had a great game week of 73 points. He's now, um, quick maths here, 30 points clear of second place. Uh, so he's got a nice little buffer heading into these last two game weeks. Mean Islam, who's been top for a large portion of 2020, actually, he uh, didn't have a good past couple of game weeks. And although I think heading into the last show we did a week ago, he was 10 points clear at the top. He's now 50 points behind Graham, who has had an absolutely blind in two weeks. He's come out of nowhere. Come out of nowhere. Um, and yet to be 183rd in the world. I know, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Very impressive, though. And yeah, podcast listeners and YouTube viewers, you can join our league. Test yourself against us. I used to say all season long. Now it's pretty much for a week. But you can hop in, maybe take the thunder at the end if you're a, a listener who's doing really well and want to usurp Graham or Paul or me and Islam at the top, then go for it. <laughs> Uh, let's move on then. So this week, our big talking point is the Titanic Champions League battle. At the turn of the year, it was pretty hard to imagine that Leicester, who were battling around the top for the good sort of first half of the year, would be falling away and potentially out of the Champions League places. But it's kind of happened in tandem with their falling form has happened in tandem with Manchester United and Chelsea gaining ground. And now the trio are separated by just a single point. Chelsea are third with 63 points. Leicester four on 62 points, and Manchester United are level on points with the Foxes. The goal difference that's keeping Brendan Rodgers' side ahead of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side is plus 31 over plus 28. And before we discuss our thoughts on each teams, I just want to very quickly look at the fixtures for each of the two, uh, three teams left. So Chelsea have Liverpool away and then Wolves at home. Leicester have Spurs away and then Manchester United at home. And Manchester United have West Ham at home and, of course, Leicester away. So Sam... You boldly predicted United would finish third at the start of the season. You've stuck to those guns. You've repeatedly mind reminded us of those guns. Do you still believe it's going to happen? Yeah, easy as. Um, I think the the form United are in. I'm hoping this weekend they toss off the FA Cup, if I'm honest, uh, and you know play Igalo and Lingard and Dan James and give those, especially the. Sort of the the front five, if you will, um, a bit of a rest because I think the last couple of games they have looked a little bit leggy towards the end, not been quite as sharp. So, yeah, I think they they should beat West Ham. I think Liverpool have got to show a little bit of um, willing and start performing as champions. Uh, so I think they will beat Chelsea. Um, I think Wolves will be coming into their, their final game still desperate to finish sixth um, and you know, keep another, have another European showing. Uh, so, yeah, it'll come down to United versus Leicester in the last game. That'll be a tasty last fixture. Dave, what do you reckon? Who, who are you fancying for those two Champions League places? I don't know. I've mulled over it and they're all just kind of... Uh... I think I think Leicester will get in there. I, I think it's going to be. It just seems like a totally random end to the season, though. Really, United are the form team, aren't they, at the moment? Um, Why is it a random end to the season? Because um, aren't Chelsea and Leicester a bit up and down with their results? Uh, a little bit. I think Leicester have just dropped like a stone, really. Um, well, they beat Sheffield United, didn't they? Was it two 0 Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, which was yeah. quite a clinical performance, like I suppose, from them. Um, and there should have been by a lot more actually. Out, you what? They've got half the defence out, and then they got they, they got battered by Bournemouth the week before. Yeah, the but the if you watch those games, the Bournemouth game was a, a kind of strange one, really, in that they weren't they weren't getting battered by Bournemouth at all until Casper Schmeichel made like a really poor mistake that led to Bournemouth scoring, and then after that they just collapsed. Um, so I wouldn't say they were playing poorly, and 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 then on the opposite side of it. I watched the Sheffield United game and they absolutely battered Sheffield United. They should have got about four or five goals in that game. It's a terrible finishing by, um, is it, uh, I think Harvey Barnes. Um, it was Vardy setting them up left, right and centre really. So it was, yeah, it, it, I, I, yeah, I think Leicester, Leicester looked like the strong one for me. I, 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 nothing about Chelsea's convinced me this season really. Uh, I find it amazing that they're, they're actually like third really. Um, I suppose it's just they've, they've still got a hell of a lot of quality in that team. Um, they've been like intermittently you know, excellent, haven't they? They've had moments where they've looked really good. Yeah, and then... you kind of like, it's like up and down all the time. You're like, one week you watch me like, oh, wow, like they look like a real team. And then next week you're just like, yeah, they are poor, aren't they? You know, and you look at some of the players and you think, God, they've been around in the Premier League for a long time, those guys. No wonder they're kind of struggling a little bit now. You know, it's... It, there's a lot of kind of uh, journeymen, I suppose, as well in that Chelsea side. So it's, yeah, they've. But on the contrast, they have got kind of young players coming through, and Frank Lampard's trying to build on that as well. So uh, maybe next season with Timo Werner in the team and some some of the signings, that they are going to push on even more. So uh, it's probably just a good time for Chelsea, really. This like transitional period, and that there's a lot of clubs um, who are struggling with their identity. Um, and I think you know, Man United are starting to find that again. Arsenal are in that weird kind of like trying to refine a bit of an identity as a team that works um, and coming back to the fore. Um, Spurs are going through this weird, are we in this Mourinho bus or are we not in it? You know, is it, are we all on board or not? Is it, is this, is this going to ever turn into a real team that's going to compete for anything? Um, so there's a lot of kind of like question marks, I think, around these, these teams that we associate with the biggest the top six, the top five in the Premier League. Um, uh, my money would be on like United securing a Champions League spot, I think, though. I'm I'm in sort of two minds about it because I think that Leicester will either beat or hold off Man United in that final match um, when they're at home with everything at stake. I think they could they could probably get a result in that. But I think the potential curveball is probably Chelsea because, as we've discussed, they're very inconsistent. They've lost to um, West Ham and Sheffield United this month, convincingly to Sheffield United as well. Uh, I think it was like 3-0 that one. So mm-hmm. they, um, they have real weaknesses and they're playing two teams who are potentially, you know, they, they could easily drop points to them. Um, yeah. So that they've got, um, was it Wolves? Yeah, Liverpool. Got Liverpool and Wolves, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, two top six sort of teams. And, um, you know, they've performed well in some of the games against the big teams. Obviously, they beat Man City to hand Liverpool a title not so long ago. But, I don't know, it's, it's just a, such a difficult one to call. So, I think if Chelsea managed to get anything from that Liverpool game, they'll be in a good position. But, I mean, even if they draw... Let's say Leicester and Man United win both of their penultimate games, then they'll be the ones who are in fifth, and everything will be, you know, dependent on that result between Leicester and Man United, and it all, you know, it'll be on a knife edge whatever happens at this stage. At this stage, but it's certainly interesting. It's good to have something going into the last sort of game of the season at stake. Sometimes. So come on, come on then. Put say your your reputation where your mouths are. What's the uh, third, fourth, and fifth going to finish like? Uh, I reckon I I probably think Chelsea are going to pull it off. So I think Chelsea will finish third. I think Leicester will finish fourth, and I think United will finish fifth because I think United will lose to Leicester. And I think we've discussed this before. It might have not been on the show, but even if Leicester lose to Spurs, which is obviously possible, if they win that match against Man United, they will finish above Man United unless there is a small chance Man United absolutely hammer West Ham and the goal difference does change. But 
you know, that's that is a, a potential left field curveball. But I do think it'll be Chelsea, Leicester, Man United. But having said that, you know, that doesn't mean that they won't qualify for the Champions League because ultimately you'd probably say they're favourites for the Europa League. If they win that, then they can get in through the through the back door, I guess. Yeah. I um I think you're wrong. <laughs> that's your prerogative. Uh, I think that's I'll go finish. for go on, Oh you're gonna you do yours. You do yours. <laughs> Of course, you can copy like you've done all season, yeah? <laughs> um, United third, because I, I can't change that opinion now. Um, I think Chelsea would finish fourth and Leicester would finish fifth. Then I guess I should go for um, Leicester finish third, Man United finish fourth and Chelsea finish fifth. <laughs> Does that completely set? Yeah, then we, we, all, we all got completely random. Yeah. No, I, I can't. I can't see Leicester getting. Um, you know, if essentially the arse fell out of them uh, because the keeper made the one mistake against Bournemouth, against Bournemouth, and it all went to uh, all, all went to pieces. You know, when, with the pressure of needing to get a result on that last day of the season. Ah, uh, poor. You know what? Yeah, but who handles pressure better? Like United aren't great. Look at that game against Southampton. I mean, they just needed to win it, and it, they won't really be they in should this have situation. Been, they should have been. Should, they should have lost because they didn't perform very well. They didn't perform anywhere near as strong as they could do, and have been doing. Yet it was like the, the last minute Southampton managed to equalise, equalise, not win, equalise. So United was still winning the match despite having played so poorly. That's what third place teams are all about. All right. So for me, one of the sort of difference points here is potentially Vardy, who's a big game player, turned up many a time over the years for Leicester. And he's actually in a pretty hot streak right now. Like he's scoring a lot of games. He's been bagging the points on FPL. He's one of the form strikers right now. So he could be a, a, a difference maker, I guess, for a Leicester team where pretty much you could, you could map their season out and say Vardy smashing it, Leicester smashing it. Vardy stopped scoring, Leicester doing shit. He's scoring again. Oh, they're back on the up. So if if their form is tied intrinsically to Vardy's form, then at the moment you'd say it's it's looking pretty good. Bournemouth aside, yeah. Bournemouth. I mean that was an absolute aberration of a result. So and tell yeah, you what, it was I'll, a strange one. I'll give some credit to Bournemouth because I thought they were going to get smashed 10-1 uh, or something um, against Man City, but they almost got a point out of it in the end. Um, yeah, they played well in that game. Only only lost two one, and in the end it was a completely different result where we got a, a crazy scoreline. Not even in the Premier League, but it was slightly bizarre. In your league, Dave, in the Championship, uh, between Wigan and Hull, that was uh, the smash yes. of the week. The 8-0. The 8-0, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but the, 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 my favourite thing about that match, it was like it was 1-0 after 25 minutes. Then by half-time, it was 7-0. <laughs> They'd properly packed it in, hadn't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> It's a Sunday league type kind of like collapse, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Completely. Like they've been out of the pub the night before or something. Oh, God. You've had an awful yeah. first half, lads. I know. Yeah, the hangover, hang, hangover hasn't quite kicked in until 25 minutes to go. Oh, Jesus. Fred, you run. I'm not fucking running. Yeah, we've not had a result anything like that in the Premier League so far this season, but I can remember anyway. We've not had anything crazy. Uh, didn't Southampton lose 9 0? Oh, I take that back. Yeah, they did. Leicester, obviously, yeah. That was against Leicester, yeah. Leicester yeah. absolutely flying then, weren't they? Um, yeah. I don't, uh, on Vardy, actually, in Leicester, it's like buzzing around my head now. It's like, do you put him back in for a couple of weeks? There are a couple of tough fixtures, though, but that's. that's a, I don't know. Vardy's like, feels like one that's burnt you before. You know, like we've said before, it's like those guys who you've kind of gone right, kept him in your team, and oh, he'll score this week, he'll score this week. He's one that's like a bit of a, yeah, bit of a burn. Do you remember the start of the season? We all had him there, didn't we? Yeah. There was a period. Um, how many? Was it seven matches? He went. Uh, he went on a scoring spree of it might even be eight. Yeah, it was eight. Um, but he scored twelve goals in it, and then he had a massive barren spell. Um, but I'm just like, looking at you know Leicester's results. You can say you know when Vardy's performing, Leicester are performing. He scored four in lockdown uh, since the restart, sorry, which is four in seven. Not bad. You know you take that as an average. But Leicester have 
drawn with Watford, drawn with Brighton, lost to Everton. They beat Palace. Anyone can do that. Drew with Arsenal uh, and then lost to Bournemouth and then a beat Sheffield United. So they've won two out of seven. Yeah, they, they aren't winning games. But if you think of that, Vardy got that point against Arsenal, for example, um, which helped essentially rule them out of any sort of distant Champions League chase. Um, the Bournemouth game, as I say, it's an aberration and it's it's pretty hard to compare that to everything else because, as Dave says, Schmeichel just gifted them the uh, equaliser and all went horribly downhill from there. You know, he got two against Palace, smashed them. Um, I would say it's been more like... He's turned his form around in the past sort of like five game weeks. Those in sort of maybe four game weeks, those earlier ones, I don't think he was, I think it was Ian Atcher that was scoring for them. He scored when they lost to Everton and uh, I think it was Brighton. They drew nil-nil against Whips. Feels like, yeah, about a month ago now. And I'm just looking back here. Yeah, against Watford, he didn't score either. So it is very recently that Vardy's been scoring for them and... Yeah, they haven't been winning every game, but they've been winning more than they, they were before. And Bournemouth side, they, they look... I know their defence is pretty weak and that's probably going to be the thing where we sit here in two weeks' time or whatever and we we look back and go, stay at Leicester's defence because it isn't in a, a healthy shape particularly because of injuries and you know, suspensions, etc. But I still think that they'll beat United, so... I think, Tot- uh, I think the Leicester-Tottenham game, like I think you'll see Tottenham play very deep because one of the things United, uh, Sheffield United one of the mistakes they made was they, they had this high line and Vardy just kept exploiting it you could tell they were terrified of it the whole match really and obviously Vardy's pace he just plays along he plays along the whole line doesn't he like on down the left through the middle and then over to the right as well and there was, he was just he was just setting up so I mean he'd be great for the assists on uh, on FBL as well because um, yeah if he wasn't getting a shot away he was setting someone else up Um but I would imagine, knowing, well, Mourinho's known for it, isn't he? But I'd imagine Tottenham will be thinking, right, okay, let's just stifle them. Because that's their only threat, really, just kind of getting through, using a bit of Vardy's pace to, to break away. Yeah. Uh, how long soon do you uh, ban for? Um, I was back for you. I'm just going to check his little, uh, his little FPL data here. Oh, no, he's, he's suspended for the rest of the season. Yeah, he says, yeah, until 27th of July. Is that... This yeah. 26th is the, uh, yeah. the final day. So he's a goner. Pereira doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. Chilwell, unknown return date. Fuchs, didn't realise he was that. Expected back October. So, yeah, their defence... Yeah, their defence is screwed. Thank I think you. they had... A, they had a, a player who is four million. If you fancy a cheap Leicester defender, uh, four million. He got twelve points against uh, Sheffield United. Got uh, an assist, clean sheet, the bonus of three points. Luke Thomas is his name. Um, oh, yeah. So he had a nice. He had a nice Premier League debut then. And they had Wes Morgan uh, come back for only his second start of the season. Um, yeah. So he's played two hundred and fifty minutes all season, and ninety of those were against Sheffield United. <laughs> Um, well, you yeah. got eight, points. Got eight yeah, points. got a bonus or two. These uh, um, parachuted in cameos are doing all right. So, yeah, if, if it comes down to that final day of the season, it looks like Morgan will likely have to play. Um, he'll have played three matches in very quick succession with little to, you know, be, you know he won't be in perfect match shape. Uh, three matches in short succession. I don't know how old he's now, actually, but he's uh, certainly towards the tail end of his career. He's up against Martial Greenwood. Fernandez, Rashford. Okay, ugly. It could. It could. But uh, I'm going to put that logic aside and just say I still think... (laughs) 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 Park that little bit of logic for now. Um, So yeah, it is all to play for. I don't think... I mean, can Wolves even still reach those guys? I'm just having a quick look here, actually. I'm pretty sure it's, it's between those three, isn't it? We've not got any outsiders coming in. Let's have a look. Wolves are on 56 points. So they would need a a plus 20 swing in goal difference for both Leicester and Man United. So that's not happening. Uh, So beneath those two, it is very much a battle for sixth place between Wolves, Tottenham, Sheffield United and Arsenal. Do you guys have any opinion on who will get that slot? Um, I think... I think Tottenham will. Really? 
Yeah, and I know obviously they are a bit up and down at the moment. The fan base aren't particularly enamoured with the way things are going, but they, they can still win. And it's almost like a Mourinho special, you know. In in my humble opinion, he's you know, he's not the manager he was, um, but he's he's still good at winning stuff. Uh, so you know they've got Leicester. I think that's a point to prove. Again, I think they can easily win that. And then they've got Palace away um, on the last day. And if if Son and Kane are firing, then I, I think they'll do it. Uh, I'd, I'd love the idea of Wolves uh, making it up there again because I, I love watching Adama Traore play. Um, and, Don't we all, uh, yeah. And Jimenez is you know, a quality striker um, and I've got two you know, Wolves defenders in my team. So, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd like them to win. I'd like, I'd, obviously, I'd love Sheffield United to make it the most. Um, but I think, you know, as we've, we've mentioned on previous pods, I think the gas is just going to um, have completely evaporated for them. I think it'll be between Wolves, Sheffield United and Arsenal. I do think that Spurs are... Well, I mean, obviously, they beat Newcastle and Kane was scoring and they, they looked decent in that. But, you know, Newcastle are pretty much feet up, not asked about the rest of the season. So it's pretty difficult to judge teams too heavily against us at the moment. Um, you know, anyone who has anything left to play for, I think Watford beat us at the weekend. Um, you know, they're going to they're gonna get ahead of us. I think Tottenham, with the fact they have Leicester in this match coming up, which I do think Leicester will uh, beat them in. And then they have Palace last game of the season. You'd say they could probably beat Palace. But for me, I guess um, Arsenal are ninth at the moment, but they have two very winnable games against Villa, who are pretty naff at this point, about to go down. And then Watford last game of the season. Watford, if um, it's possible they could be safe by this point. So they might actually have nothing to play for, um, depending on other results. We haven't actually mentioned it at this point, but this game week hasn't finished yet. Um, what West Ham and Watford play tonight. Um, I don't think any of us have any of their players, though, do we? No. Uh, no. No, so they're not, you know, unless you've triple captained Antonio again, like that complete madman who got like 78 points from him the other game week, uh, then, you know, you're uh, you're probably not going to be getting too many points from that match. But I mean, one of those two teams could essentially, I'm just doing some quick maths here, all but mathematically uh, ensure they, haven't, they aren't going to be relegated. Who, what about at the bottom of the table then? Do you reckon... Bournemouth and Villa are goners, or do you think one of them can climb and claw their way out? No, I, I think they're both goners. Um, I think I remember when we were talking about this um, before the season was halted, and I think all of us said we thought Bournemouth were going to go down. Um, or was it me and Dave said Bournemouth were going to go down, and you were adamant they weren't miles, and then they went yeah. on a massive hot streak, um, and then massive. seemingly haven't picked up yet. Have, that's 25% of their victory um, and then obviously they, they've not won or hadn't won any more since until they beat third place apparent third place um, Leicester so yeah I think uh, I think they're done for both of them sadly uh, I like Villa I like Bournemouth um, but yeah I think it's just a step too far for them the, uh, it's a bit of a South Coast derby on Sunday between Bournemouth and Southampton. Southampton pretty much have nothing to play for, but have been stubbornly good over the past, sort of, well, since lockdown ended. Obviously, getting a point off United was the latest, but Ings has continued to be red hot. So Southampton could essentially deal that sort of fatal blow to Bournemouth. Uh, but I, I think the Bournemouth could, they potentially got a chance. I mean, if they can get three points of that match, then they'll head into the last game week with a, with a bit of a chance. And they have Everton in the final game week. And Everton are pretty crap. Like, you know, yeah. they only just got a point against Villa. Um, and they are beneath... They're only three points ahead of Newcastle, which is a damning indictment, considering we've not been particularly great this year. So they uh, that is another winnable match for them. Yeah, it seems like a bit of a shame. For, I mean, I'm not a massive... Not really a massive fan of Bournemouth. Um, that's like largely due to a bit of historical stuff between my team and the, them. But it's <laughs> it's um, the it's they've they've had an unfortunate season in that 
they're starting to look like the Bournemouth that's been in the Premier League for years and years and years now, once again. Um, and I think it's because they've got a few players back from injury. Um, so they're starting to play a bit like that Eddie Howe team that we've we've seen um, for a few seasons now. But it might. I think it's just a little bit too late for them. And when you look at the bottom of the table, you you can't, there's a few teams in there that you can't believe aren't necessarily in the bottom three, um, such as I guess like, I mean West Ham seems to have been fairly woeful all season, you know, and it's. I think if the two teams played each other now, Bournemouth would beat them. Um, and the same again with Brighton. It's they're they've, you know, they've been they've been pretty poor. Um, but. I guess that you know they've just they've just scraped the points that they need to to survive this season. So, uh, yeah, that bottom three looks fairly locked in. Um, I probably do. I probably do agree. I think to be honest, I think I've said this recently either on this podcast or outside the podcast. But you look at the transfers that Bournemouth have made over recent seasons; they deserve to go down. Like it's it's simple as that. That is true. They have spent money actually. They have yeah. spent money. And if you can't sign good players, or you can't sign players who fulfill on any sort of potential um, then and you spend a lot of money on them as well it's just a recipe for going down and then you end up burdened with these players who are overpaid and you can't get them off the books and um, you know it can be a bit problematic it's difficult to see how they necessarily deserve to stay up they clearly have a manager who's good he's done well for them over the past few years as Eddie Howe but they just need to sort out the transfer problem if, if they stay up which seems unlikely someone needs to come in and be like right Let's rethink this. You keep signing crap players. This isn't going to work. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I think it's a bit of an idiot thing to do in the Premier League. Something's gone wrong with them there, hasn't it? Because they're just they're not scoring. I'm just looking at some of the stats here. Like Josh King got 12 last season. He got five this season. Callum Wilson got 14 and 12 assists last season. He's got eight goals and five assists this team. Uh, Ryan Fraser... Uh, you get 14 assists scored 7 last season he's got 5 assists and scored 1 this season well, that's part of the problem though isn't it the Fraser thing in that he's just uh, well he's refused to play for them hasn't he uh, there was clearly a fallout there over how many games has he played this season has he played that many games this season for them at all he's played pretty much every game until the season restarted and then he popped his cogs hmm yeah, it seems to be a bit discontent with him. Yeah, his contract expires at the end of uh, June, so. Um, yeah, yeah Callum Wilson seems seems a bit um, hot and cold. Yeah, he's he's not been as good as he has in previous seasons, where he was an FPL favourite for so long, someone who could consistently get you goals and assists. It just hasn't worked out that way this season, has it? No. Um, and I, I, I was it was at the start of the season that uh, Callum Wilson was just steadily batting away five points, five points, five points, five points, thirteen points, seven points, six points. I don't know if he scored since then. Yeah, <laughs> they they looked pretty good at the start of the season, did Bournemouth? But... Yeah, he scored three since then. Yeah, all gone off the boil. Well, we'll find out soon enough. We'll see uh, who gets sucked into that relegation race, and as we mentioned, how the top four race pans out. Um, let's look at the, our teams for this game week then, the one that's coming up, game week 37. Dave, what changes have you made for this one, if you've made any yet? I haven't made any yet because I just it's a bit like, um, again, it's the, the Kevin De Bruyne thing, uh, the Man, Man City rotating and everything. I, I imagine De Bruyne will be back in now. Um, I was seriously tempted to put David Silver in, uh, and I wish I had because... Uh, they are. They seem to be sending him off with a bit of a fanfare. You know, it's almost like let's make sure, let's make sure old uh, old David has a, a lovely end to his career at Man City. Let's team him up for a few goals, give him a bit of a run of the park. You know, and he he's just he's just taking the piss basically until the end of the season now. So um, there's almost a bit of a shout to to drop him in for one of my Man City players. Um, I have loaded on. Man City though and, and Man United three of each um, in in my side at the moment so it's kind of between swapping out a Man City player either finding a way to get Sterling in but if I put Sterling in like I say Mares will probably do something uh, 
and um, Greenwood and Rashford is the one that's that's annoying me on the other side, really. So Greenwood seems to be playing almost like a fullback for United. Is that right, Sam? Like he, while he's no, been playing, he's, he's basically not, not been anywhere near the goal at all. It doesn't make him a fucking fullback, though, does it? But he covers at the back, doesn't he? He's like he basically plays as a as a yeah, like a an overlapping. He, play, kind he of... plays as a member of member of the team. Um, now he's he's still been he's not been that uh, quite as penetrative as um, he has in previous matches. Uh, but you know there was a few times in the match yesterday that he was getting into that position in the area where he starts throwing the step overs and defenders are going have no idea which way he's going. So I think he's still getting into those same spots. Um, I think I expect he'll probably be rested at the weekend. Um, but I, th- I still think Greenwood will play the last two matches of the season because he's he's been you know, one of our best performers since uh, the league restarted. Yeah, it was against Southampton. It was um, it was mentioned in the commentary as well. He was it, it wasn't really uh, near the Southampton box at all, and he spent a lot of time just like double marking. Uh, Redmond, I think uh, they mentioned that, that he was kind of like, seemed to be, he had to be covering back all the time, which um, I'm not sure if he kind of like switches a little bit with this kind of, the the opposition are almost a little bit like, if we're going to stand a chance in this game, we almost have to draw some of United's attacking threat away from the goal by, you know, pulling players like Greenwood back to their defensive duties, you know, which you mentioned as a team, they have to do that. So, um he just doesn't yeah. seem to have been in and in around the box as much as he was like the games before I dropped him in, which was when he scored. And then Ra- and then Ra- almost like on the opposite side of that, he dro- he drops away slightly, and then Rashford attacks, and now Rashford's been getting the goal. So that's that's the thing for me. It's like which of those. So basically, what you're saying is it's, it's your fault that the nation's footballing darling is uh, not performed. Against him, yeah, I don't know if he's not performed or whether he's just got a slightly different duty in that team at the moment. When it, depending on who they're playing, yeah, possibly. You know, if you looked at it as obviously Martial is a centre forward, Rashford is a um, left forward. You know, Fernandez seems to be getting into the box just as much, um, so he's that sort of shadow striker in a way. Um, it probably does mean that Greenwood has to drop a little bit further back, um, but then I think that's also been. A couple of who have been who United have been playing. You know, if they've, if Redmond has been, you know, uh, noticed as one of the players that you need to keep an eye on, and same with Zaha, although obviously he was switching from yeah. wing to wing, um, then yeah, he's he's got to get stuck in there. You know, we're in the in the business of winning. Yeah, I'm just yeah. wondering whether there's been that same threat against West Ham. Um, um, probably not. I don't think so. No. Um, did you just to jump back to the match from yesterday? Just because I know it'll trigger you. What did you think about VAR in the uh, Man United Palace match? Oh, what the time! <laughs> it doesn't trigger me really. It's like it got to the point where it's like you're just a bit like, and then this is the point they obviously want people to get to where you're just like, mm, that's the decision. I mean, Roy Hodg- Roy Hodgson was like pretty furious about it in that he was like saying that it's millimetres, you know, and, you, and you're looking at him and, and I'm looking at him and thinking, yeah, it's millimetres, but then I guess that's, that is offside, you know, which is the logic that VAR wants you to apply to it. So It's, it's like, because it's so. the fucking logic. Exactly, it, it, yeah. it, um, so, yeah, yeah, it was, no, it, again, it, it a perfect, is, perfect is. example. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. It, by by the, the line that is drawn on the pitch, as long as... It, if they're saying that is millimetres and everything else is perfectly accurate, so they know exactly when the ball has been kicked by the absolute millisecond, fraction of a millisecond, which, again, that's kind of up for debate, isn't it? Do they know that? And how do they know that? When that when the actual boot has come into perfect contact with the ball at that split second, then you're measuring that milli, millimetre of, a, of a, the, the guy's boot that's over the line. Like, you can do that with the freeze frame of the picture, but can you make sure that the ball has been kicked at that very, very millimetre? You can't, that split second, sorry. that You can't do that, though. They're just looking at the picture and assuming that is exactly when the ball is being kicked. But, you know, it, it's, it is fractions and fractions and fractions of, of you know, a, a, a situation. So it's, yeah, 
that's that's the situation here. So it's um, just get on with it, don't you? Like and yeah, it, yeah, you can't use the uh, all the fans in the stadium issue anymore either, um, because we're all telly people. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, like, I suppose the, the situation for the fans is like, uh, would have been just them knowing what's happening, what's going on. Um, some of the VAR stuff recently is like more being a case of it. It's there's still like still seems to take them a long time. I thought it was meant to be like a, a clear and obvious thing sometimes as well. And yet there seemed to be a lot of decisions that was that were drawn out and they'd, they'd be watching the VAR review would be going on for three to four minutes. And you'd be thinking, well, if it's taking this long to figure it out, like it can't be, can't be such like a clear and obvious one. Well, that's the thing with VAR recently is that it's been making clear mistakes, and you know the various different uh, associations have been coming out after matches, and we haven't really talked about it very much because I think it's just become fabric of, of Premier League life now. But you know, people have been coming out afterwards and saying it was the wrong decision, and uh, you know, referee yeah. associations apologising and stuff like that. So. You know, the fact that it was always going to be a myth, wasn't it? The VAR was going to resolve everything. It hasn't at all. Um, and I think the, the big sort of question will be whether they can make it something that doesn't take three or four minutes every single time. Because if it does, then people aren't going to want it to stay because it's so disruptive to the, to the flow of the match. If you're getting that every single time, if you can't just make a decision in 30 seconds, you know, it, it gets frustrating and uh, it's just not as fun. It's not as flowing to watch. You know, you're getting into American football territory where you're getting a massive break every few minutes. It's not as good. Yeah, we've got, we have drinks breaks now at the moment as well, uh, which is like that. So that fragments the game up quite a bit. So there's a lot of, lot of disruption to the match. Um, and like I said before, I just enjoyed watching the game as it was. Um, I think the decisions were one went one way or another and then would, unless it was something absolutely catastrophic, um, on a human error front, then you know I didn't see that I didn't see the need for it, and I think that's why technology needs to be the consideration needs to be in in balance. You know, as so kind of you throw it into situations where it is like there has been a major error in this game by a referee, and there is a video referee who is aware of this and then can flag it quickly within the within the context of the game. And um, but um, the fact everything kind of every goal almost goes to review now is just. I don't know, it just seems to take a little bit of the enjoyment away from it. I found it interesting that FIFA uh, called VAR a, uh, a universal success, which I felt was <laughs> twisting uh, what it's been to an extreme degree. Yeah, you could argue that it has had some success, but I mean, at least at least 40% of football fans do not like it. And I, I would say that is not universal, but FIFA play yeah. by their own rules, don't they? That's like a trumpet. I think it has been a universal success. It, well, it hasn't been a universal. It's been, you could argue it's been a success, but in no terms has it been universal. The amount of people that are pissed off at it, the amount of clubs and players that have highlighted issues, the amount of apologies there's been for incorrect results. It's not been universal. There's been, oh, been, like, been like four apologies, maybe. Um, but you think about that probably happened every single match day before VAR came along. Um, and now you're getting that in the entire season. That's phenomenal. And it's set out to do a job and it's done it brilliantly. Um, it hasn't though, because there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of um, uncertainties over how it's being used and like what the, what the video officials are meant to be making decisions on and what they're not meant to be making decisions on. So that's been a shambles. They need to, they need to sort out that type of thing. So there needs to be more kind of hard and fast rules on uh, when it's used, how it's used. I think, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I've, for what decisions. I was being mildly trollish there. And the, um, <laughs> which, the first for everything, um, the the offsides, I think, have been a universal success um, because it, as you, know, you were saying before, Dave, it's either offside or it's not. And you can always argue, oh, but it's only millimetres. It's like, well, right, do you want a, uh, a five centimetre buffer? And as soon as you get to that buffer, you're back to the case of, are you in the buffer by millimetres? Um, so, you know, you're either offside or you're not. Some will be exceptionally tight. Some will be very clear and obvious. Um, I suppose it's just about the ball being kicked. That's the only thing I have with that. It's like, I know on the picture, they, they say, look, you, you can see he's, he's kicking the ball, but you, they can't really tell if that's exactly when the ball's being kicked, can they? Like, I mean, because surely there's... 
you know, you, we can't see the contact between the ball and the foot. And if you're measuring millimetres on one line, which you can clearly see where the attacker's foot is over the line, then you have to be able to see millimetres whether the ball has come in contact with his foot as well at that point because it's when the ball is played that's the rule so that's that's the only thing for me I guess if there was a buffer it would be something to do with the fact that they can't actually measure when the ball has been played to that to that um, definitive like they can with a, a line of someone crossing it and not crossing it but you know we're getting sucked into a big VAR debate here, which is unplanned. Thanks, Sam. I'll <laughs> yeah. just finish deep... that off, Mars, by saying it wasn't a penalty. Um, uh, what Zaha <laughs> <what's our> <laughs> did was akin to when Perez uh, stuck his foot out to uh, clip someone's foot and fall over. Um, it should have been done for simulation, really. I always think like Zaha and uh, there's people like Zaha and Vardy who like they fall in a certain way, don't they? That kind of almost makes it look like it's always not a penalty yeah. as well. They're, like Vardy has got the most theatrical dive I have ever seen. You almost—it's just like when it's you see, it, it's just like, mate, come on, no one's giving that. And then even when you watch the replay, oh yeah, it was foul. But why did he make it look yeah. like a dive? I think he's done his team, hasn't he? I mean, do you want to do you want to explain your changes, Sam? Do you want to say what you've done? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll probably be keeping it mostly the same. Um, last week, I took out Mares and uh, I can't remember who the other striker was. Uh, someone else up front and brought Pulisic and Giroud in. And my thought process for everything, my choice my probably the last three weeks, have been trying to pick the players who have got something to play for. Um, because hang on a minute that's what I said I think you're just copying me on the Giroud thing as well aren't you no because I, I put him in the team and I've, I've reaped the benefit and I took it, yeah <laughs> you have I took it, I, I, I took him out I took him out but to be fair like the people I replaced him with did score so yeah and uh, it was a bit of a like for like but I had him first yeah, but then you took him out and I put well, him back in. Back. And you're using the argument saying, yeah, I've, I've, I've picked players that have got something to play for. Well, you took Giroud out, who has got something to play for, and replaced him with uh, Jesus, who doesn't have anything to play for. He's playing for his Man City career, is Jesus. No, fair enough. <laughs> um, also put Pulisic in for Mares because Mares didn't have anything to play for. Pulisic did. Um, <laughs> and uh, was suitably rewarded with... Uh, a goal for Giroud and uh, an assist for Pulisic. Pulisic was playing really well. Um, so, yeah, keep it pretty much as it is. I might, I think I might put my money where my mouth is and bring Aurier into my starting uh, starting 11. So I'll have, uh, who have Sheffield United got this week? Everton and Arsenal have got Villa. Ooh, I think I might play Martinez in goal. Um, and then I've Defensive got Maguire, Aurier, Bowley, Sace, and Holgate. But I think Holgate came off after like eight. He started again yesterday. I think he came off after like 20 minutes. So he's no doubt injured again. Um, I think he is injured. Yeah. Power five in midfield of Salah, De Bruyne, Martial, Pulisic, and Fernandez. Salah, I think it's, you know, he's obviously still wants to try and get that golden boot. I do think it's out of his reach at the moment. But. You never know. Um, so we'll keep him in. De Bruyne is De Bruyne. Um, and I think he'll probably, st he should get, uh, should play the next two matches because just keeping them fresh and in that game ready scenario for when they get back to playing in Europe. Uh, and then up front, Jimenez, Giroud and Unketia. So strong bench. Uh, and that's Henderson on the bench as well. Strong bench, strong team. I'm happy. Why change a winning formula, eh? Yeah. My team has undergone drastic changes because I have the luxury of a free hit. So I'm finally playing it. Um, I have made, uh, let me have a count here. Well, I've only got four players left. Let's put it that way. So the only players okay. who've, who survived my call are Stecklenburg, Doherty, uh, Saka and Greenwood. Three of those four obviously being dirt cheap players who I may as well just keep around because they keep the cost down and... Uh, Stecklenburg's just going to sit on the bench anyway, so why take him out? Uh, so I've actually, so I've tried a different tactic for this game week because I realised Dave is 20 points ahead of me. Our teams aren't entirely 
dissimilar. We have some similarities there. If I'm going to catch him, I need to do something a bit different. So my current tactic, which is, I'm not sure if I'm going to go all out for it yet or go partially, but I've thrown in three Brighton players, right? Um, <laughs> because I've thrown, and they're all defenders. So I've put in three Brighton defenders because they're playing against Newcastle at home. Um, I'm backing the team against my team because we're just not good away from home. Uh, we travel anywhere, we struggle. We're traveling to the other side of the country where we're gonna be absolutely screwed. So um, anything south of like Yorkshire and Newcastle struggle to be honest. So uh, I'm looking here, I've got Dunk, Byrne and Webster in, the big three of Brighton. Um, I'm hoping they get me a good 18 points if I start all three of them. I might actually play a back five, but I'm not sure yet. That seems a bit extreme. But I've also got Doherty and Johnny in there in my defence. So I've doubled up on Wolves with them playing Crystal Palace at home and them having something to play for, as we discussed. Um, my attack and my midfield are actually pretty decent. I'm quite happy with it. So I don't know who I'm going to start yet, but I've got Salah, Sterling, Mares, Martial and Saka. And then I've got Vardy, Greenwood and Ings in uh, up front. So a lot of form players... Um, a lot of people who I haven't had all season who have kind of wanted to throw in but just never got around to like Salah I don't think I've played Salah at all so uh, who's something... your captain going to be? I have no idea to be honest probably um, probably Salah Dunk. maybe Salah or maybe Martial because you guys keep captaining a Man United player and I keep regretting not doing it maybe Martial I don't know um are you not thinking, right, I've got two weeks to claw back 20 points. Uh, it's Hail Mary territory. Are you not tempted like, to captain like Lewis Dunk? I mean, I'm very tempted, but I've already got that Brighton trio. <laughs> I mean, it feels like, I guess I could just go all in, just like everything on Brighton, you know? Um, it sounds like you've done that. <laughs> well, I haven't quite, I've saved that captain, you know? I haven't quite gone all in. I've gone almost all in. Um, yeah. But who, not quite um, all. Who did who you you've used a triple captain, haven't you? Yeah, I've used it. Yeah. yeah, I used it on. I don't think it was bad. I think I used it on Mane, and I got some points. Not amazing. Didn't get seventy eight points for Antonio like that dickhead over the weekend, but right. um, I got some points. Uh, but I yeah, so my, my, I I used mine on Callum Wilson. That, didn't you get two points? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the one the one uh, blip to your season, I guess you could say. Yeah. So it's all or nothing for me. We could be sitting here this time next week and I could be riding high on my Brighton unicorn ahead of Dave. Uh, <laughs> but I, I suspect uh, it won't go to plan, but we'll uh, we'll soon find out. God loves to try, mate. <laughs> yeah. Got to try this Hail Mary. But let's wrap this up. Dave, Sam, thanks very much for joining me from your homes today. Podcast listeners, YouTube viewers, you can get in touch by tweeting your fantasy football thoughts with the hashtag UKFFS. We'll be back same time next week for one final weekend of FBL back action. See you then. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, follow on Spotify, or however you listen to podcasts on your favorite platform. Leave a review if you liked it. And if you didn't, what are you still doing here? Check out Gold for your daily dose of football news from the Premier League and around the world. Thanks for listening.